and they said it couldn't be done. This is our 15th episode, the Sports de- Detox, still going strong. I'm Vaisalis. He's Michael Kazin. 15, Mike. I'm just, it's like our quinceanera. This is awesome. It, it is. I forgot my white dress, but um, I'll definitely be eating some cake later on. I'll tell you that much. I mean, seeing as it's a podcast, you could tell people that you are wearing your white dress. And they wouldn't even I mean, you're right. I am wearing a white dress with a tiara. Uh, the band is warming up right now. It's about to go down. The Sports Detox. This is episode 15. Mike, it is August. Football just started. But guess what, folks? We're going to talk baseball because uh, this past week, this past week, we had something that uh, is one of the few things that will put baseball to the top of the headlines outside of uh, PED suspensions <laughs> or um, uh, the unwritten rules of baseball. We had a big old fashioned baseball brawl. Um, that happens every now and again, about once a month. This time involved uh, the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's not the first time these two have gotten gotten heated. Um, Mike, uh, by now everyone knows the fight. It's been everywhere. Uh, what was your initial takeaway from – oh, you know what? Before we do that, I forgot the question, and I'm going to spur this on you. Ooh, yeah, okay. Um, if and we're gonna we're gonna keep it with uh baseball brawl or base brawl. If there was one, it can be past or current player you would not want charging you if you were on the mound. Who would that player be? I mean, the guy that immediately springs to mind just now. I was just watching the Yankee game. Is Aaron Judge? Uh, just because he's such a gigantic human. Um, I mean, he is the, the problem is he's such a nice guy. Um, so so maybe he doesn't inspire as much fear. But but it, that that question just makes me think of you know when the Yankees when 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 the bench is clear. You know, it seems like uh, Judge is in the front, and and you know when he's healthy, which is rare. Uh, John Carlos Stanton right there with him. Those those big fellows are just larger than most baseball players. But I'm trying to think of someone who has more of a nasty streak. And I mean, Yasiel Puig would be pretty darn scary coming at me. I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, you could go with Juan Marichal uh, after he carried a bat and started swinging at people back in whenever that that nasty brawl with the I think it was the Dodgers and Giants back in the day. Uh, for me. Um, I'm going a little bit uh, in the past. So I'm going to say Bo Jackson, um, mainly because he's, he's uh, you know, by all, from all accounts, a, a sweet person, a nice person, uh, but somebody that large right. and big who's pretty much good at everything. <laughs> like, um, I would be <laughs> fearful if I was on the mound and I saw this mound of a human being who's, who on his off season is taking poundings from 350 pound men coming at me, that would strike the fear of God into my, to my brain. I mean, I'm sure there's some guys who aren't just wired, right. That were, that were missing. And so maybe if we pose this out to the Twitter verse, uh, we might get some uh, interesting uh, answers, but I think judge, I mean, his size alone uh, would cause some fear. Um, but I'm sure there's plenty out there who who have uh, some wires missing that would yeah, that exactly. would that would cause some some fear. I yeah. think the, I um, think the perfect answer by the perfect answer for this. Um, and I know we both went to kind of size, but you need like I think it's like some combination of like size and crazy. It's like dating. It's well, I don't know, it's not like dating, but it's like I don't know. The, the craziness part is scarier than the size part almost. 
Well, I think that's why Mike Tyson is still one of the most feared beings to this day because, you know, I think I think I, heard, I think Jamie Foxx said it best where he was like, Mike Tyson's like uh, a pit bull that's not on a leash. Like, you're like, oh, is he safe? I don't know, but he's not on the leash. He might attack me. Um, yeah, so you need a little bit of crazy to, to really strike the fear into people. So, yeah, I agree with you. You need a little co- couple of wires loose uh, to really cause some fear. So, yes. Uh, We'll we'll put that out there. Maybe get John Boy on there to like put it that. out to his group and see what people come up with as as the craziest or the the <laughs> scariest person they'd like to see rushing. But back back to to the old good old fashioned base brawl. Uh, Amir Garrett uh, basically rushed the whole Pittsburgh Pirates dugout. Yasiel Puig got into the mix it even though he was technically no longer a red. Um, <laughs> it was a crazy scene. Uh, there was some chest bumping going on. Some people hold me back. The managers got yeah. involved. Uh, it was a crazy scene, but you know, what we do here, Mike is, is we talk about a lot, but I think it, it serves its purpose for this discussion. A lot of people, you know, having fun with this, it's always, you know, it's, 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 it's part of the pastime. It's, it's, it's fighting, but I wanted to take it to the next step further, which what we do at sports detox and talk about, uh, what, what is becoming a more common term, which is great to see. And it's called toxic masculinity. Uh, Mike, talk a little bit about it before we get into discussing it as it pertains to this fight in baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think toxic masculinity can be somewhat of a polarizing term and, and maybe it's best not to necessarily use that term, but, but, uh, you know, cause I think a lot of people say, oh, well, you're, you're calling masculinity itself toxic. Um, but the intention is really to say that, you know, there's certain behaviors uh, you know, violence being one of them um, that that are sort of hallmarks uh, of, of some of the you know old school kind of traditional. And when you think of masculinity, you think of George Patton kind of thing um, that you know can be negative. And and you know we see this you know with football, we're kind of bashing our own brains in um, in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, so you know this this concept of you know being a tough guy and being a man and not backing down. Um, you know, it's escalated in sports. It's become a very important part of sport. Um, and, and I think in baseball, um, it's become kind of accepted that this is just the way it is in baseball. It's just the way it is. You know, if someone if someone hap- if someone hits your guy, you have to hit him back um, because that's being a good teammate. Um, and and I don't know if, uh, if if that's necessarily true or those old old notions uh, should be challenged because it, it is kind of weird when you look across sports um that this behavior is kind of accepted as you know part of the game and the right thing to do without really often being challenged yeah and i think and i think to further go along the lines of of what the quote-unquote toxic masculinity you talked a little bit of it a little bit about it but it's the idea of like if a, a boy is crying and somebody says man up or yeah. be a man swallow swallow those tears something like like along those lines where where there's nothing wrong with with a boy or even a man crying and so it's it's this notion that that men need to behave a certain way and put on this kind of front of acting a certain way whether it is resorting to violence uh when you feel like you've been wronged or or putting up this kind of fake fake exterior uh, rather than showing your true emotions. And and baseball is a, a great example of that because baseball, I would say, baseball and hockey are the only sports where vengeance is not only accepted, but it is allowed as part of the quote-unquote unwritten mm-hmm. rules of the game. Uh, we saw that in terms of how this brawl got started 
where I can't remember the player who got thrown behind because he he stood and watched the ball earlier in a, in a game uh, a couple yeah. of months ago, and so they knew it was coming and they threw him out. They threw the pitcher out, uh, but that's what started this whole thing. And the idea that baseball is still perpetuating this idea that uh, certain acts that are viewed as unbecoming of a baseball player should be not only um, uh, vindicated with uh, throwing <laughs> a, a ball 90 miles an hour at another human yeah, being, but also right. if that were to happen, the the retribution for throwing the ball is now charging them on is fighting is something that I don't think many people are talking about that should be talked about. Is this the kind of uh, impact we want baseball to have on our youth, especially when the game is uh, – not only is the game not being as popular as it once was, but the notion of baseball in itself is being challenged as as something to be viewed and and watched on a yeah. daily basis. So, it's curious your your take on yeah, that. Yeah, I mean the youth the youth aspect is 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 a good thought, but I don't even know if we needed necessarily get there. I mean, I, I kind of feel like um, you know when when someone when you're a pitcher, if you you know, make a mistake and the hitter hits a home run and he flips his bat or he stands there too long. But the, the concept that that gives you the license to then, you know, throw at his head the next time because he did something wrong when really, I mean, I, I would, I, I used to, I think when I was younger, maybe just because people said, well, these are the unwritten rules and I just accepted them. I used to be like, oh, okay, that's what happens. Um, he shouldn't have stood there that long staring at his home run and he shouldn't have, you know, done the bat flip. You know, now it's like, if you don't want people celebrating in the end zone, like, Keep them out of the end zone. If you don't want people to celebrate, then, you know, strike them out. Do your job. I think that's kind of more sporting. But I think there is this thing in sports and, you know, fan. we see it in fans, right? Fans, that's, 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 that word comes from being fanatic. It's very tribal. You know, you got your guys. You're 100% behind them. And I think when you're on the team, actually out there on the field, you know, there's a feeling that I got to have my guys back no matter what. There's all that, all that, even though it's baseball, it's, you know, we're going to war. And then if something like that happens, there's also this mythology, which I'm also have no real evidence at all that is true that, oh, well, that fight, that lit a fire under them. You know, now they're playing better because, you know, they all have each other's back. I don't know if there's any statistical evidence to back any of that up. To me, um, I don't know. It, it's all way past its time and doesn't really have a place in sports. Sure, things are going to happen. People are going to lose their cool. Trevor Bauer's going to get pissed off and throw a ball from the pitching mound over center field. Someone's going to get pissed when they hit with the, when they get hit by a baseball. But this whole unwritten rule about this is the way it works and uh, that's baseball. That's just the way it is, and that was the right thing to do. Now the pitcher's got to throw throw at that guy. I think that really has no place in the game, personally. Well, it it also begs another question because I think. When you look at sports, all it takes is for a commissioner to step in and make some changes for all of a sudden now there's no longer fights. Like the NBA was littered with fights in the 70s and 80s. Like you, I mean, you look at old playoff games and there was fights every game, especially when you're having these rivals playing seven games. And all of a sudden, David Stern comes in, starts putting out fines, suspensions, and all of a sudden, there are no fights yeah. in basketball. And if there are, they're very rare, especially in the playoffs. There are no fights. And so I think if baseball really wanted to rid 
fights from its game, it could easily do so the way basketball did. I mean, even football, football, there's never a fight. And this, and, and I, I'm always go back to, I remember, um, I don't remember what year, but it was a, a game against Denver and Arizona and Calais Campbell got chop blocked and Bruce Aarons called it uh, the dirtiest play he's ever seen. And when you look at it, it was pretty dirty. Julius Thomas went down and chopped him while he was engaged yep. with somebody else. And there was never any retribution. And it's because, you know, in a 16-game season, you get suspended for a couple of games. Yeah, that's, uh, that's that's a lot of yep. games. Um, in baseball, I think suspending a player five, ten games, uh, I think you have to look at what the percentage of how Especially many games you're going to lose. Pitcher suspended for five uh, games is one game. Yes, exactly. So I think, you know, if baseball really wanted to find a way to curb this, if they found it an issue, they could find a way to make it so baseball players don't fight, yeah. they don't bean. Um, but I think they, I think to a certain extent, they feel like this keeps them in the discussion. And, and that I think is problematic. I think, I think we're time and time and seeing again that baseball is focusing on the wrong things in terms of how to make the game, uh, not only more global, but more, more, uh, kind of in the viewer's eye, especially here in America. And I think counting on this, these age old tactics of retribution and, and violence uh, are the wrong tactics, even though as much as people enjoyed and you couldn't go anywhere on Twitter or, or, or anywhere without seeing somebody discussing that, that, uh, that Reds brawl. Um, so yeah, I think if they really wanted to stop it, they could I totally think they could. And I mean, I, you know, for example, you could have the pitcher stand there and have people throw baseballs at him. Um, but no, I mean, a lot of people think pitchers not batting, for example, in the American League is, 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 is maybe part of an issue. But I do think, of course, they could change it if they wanted to. Um, and I, but I do think that there, are, there is a changing conversation, at least. Um, I think there is definitely an evolution away, at least a little bit, uh, from this whole old unwritten rules. Um, and, and I think that's a positive thing towards, you know, in terms of making the game more fun uh, and more global and, uh, and a little bit less stodgy. And, and I will say this, um, and we can talk about it if we need to, but um, majority of the players in baseball and hockey are white and they're still fighting as a part of their game. Majority of football and basketball are not white and fighting is not a Never part of their that. game. And when there is, there is fighting. There are certain words casually thrown around to those basketball and football players. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying there might be yeah. something to that. I'm not sure. I don't know what. Yeah. Some, some to think about, but uh, there's more that's going on. Football started up. We talked about a little bit about, about there's no fighting in football. Uh, the hall of fame game was this week. Uh, hard knocks is coming up. I'm excited about that. I know you are. Uh, but there was something that was even trumped, uh, the hall of fame game. And, um, and that was what happened on first take. I don't watch first take, uh, but I definitely saw the headlines for this and Carmelo Anthony, uh, I guess reached out to Stephen A. Smith to get him on the show to talk about the fact that Carmelo Anthony, one of the best players ever in the NBA, easily one of the best scorers ever in the team. NBA, is without a team. Yep. Is without a team, and um, and and I think this is a fascinating story of somebody who really was one of the best to ever play the game, realizing that the game has moved on without him. 
Yeah, I also don't watch First Take on purpose. Um, and uh, But I did also saw the headline that Carmelo, my understanding is he wants to play. Is that right? Um, and, yes. And, you know, I watched Carmelo play in New York, and I think you're right. He's one of the best uh, offensive players ever to play the game. Um, and, you know, whether he's a championship player, whether he plays enough defense, shares the ball enough, does the other things – you know, we can have long, and people have had many long debates about that. Um, but, yeah, the end of his career was a little bit sad, right? Left New York, didn't really find a place. Um, I think he's a guy that he's a guy that's used to being the man, and he has been the man for a long, long time, um, since he was a freshman at Syracuse, leading them, uh, you know, all the way through the tournament. Um, and uh, I think it's very hard for that type of person it's hard for us i think in our jobs when we get older and and we take value out of our work to and say oh you know maybe this this isn't for me anymore i think it's hard for for, for older men and just regular jobs i think it's it's even more difficult uh when you're an athlete and you rely so much on on athleticism that isn't quite there anymore when you need it um and i think the way his career ended um you know, it was a little bit sad because he kind of went from being Carmelo Anthony to being nothing. Um, and he's not the kind of guy that said, okay, I'm going to step it down. I'm going to be an off-the-bench guy and contribute in these ways that are less glamorous. He never seemed to want to do that. Um, so I think this announcement that he wants to come back is a little bit strange, uh, but I, I do understand the struggle. What do you think? Well, I, the thing that comes up is two cliches. Is Number one, I think we've all been there. You've gone into a job interview, and the interviewer has said, you're overqualified for this position. And overqualified doesn't mean exactly that. It just means that because of the experience, you're going to want to be paid a certain amount that they don't want to pay. And they can find somebody who's younger and who will take less money to do the do the work. They might not do it the same way. They might not do it that way. But your position is something where they can cut some corners. And so that's the first thing that came to mind is that Carmelo Anthony probably is without a job because of the kind of money that he's going to be needing to make, whether it's because of the years he's put into the league or the kind of talent he is. And he probably won't take a, a lower amount unless he will. Then that's another story. And the other thing is father time is undefeated. And there comes a time in every player's life when they realize, uh, whether it's they realize or somebody else lets them know that they are no longer uh, the player they once was. And unfortunately for Carmelo, I think that time has come for him. And does he want to play? We'll see if he takes a mid-level exception and goes and plays somebody or somewhere and takes you know minutes in the the fifteen to twenty minute range and play becomes a role player who comes off the bench, gives you some quick points, and then hits the bench. If he does that, he could be a great addition to any one of those teams uh, that are fighting for the NBA Finals. But if he thinks he can still be the Carmelo of old, I think that's where you find uh, a lot of franchises kind of hesitating yep, on agree. pulling the trigger on him. Um, you know, lucky, uh, unlucky for him, you know, some people get to go out the way they want Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, others like Carmelo get taught a hard lesson. And hopefully he gets one more year to kind of go out the way he should, because I believe, I think you'll agree. He's a hall of famer and it's always an always terrible situation when the hall of famer, uh, is, is, doesn't get to choose their way out of the game and the game. I think he is a hall of famer and, and, uh, you know, 
I think it is interesting, you know, the contrast you brought up, right? Some players, like, you know, last year we had the Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki victory tour. It's like, you know, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar kind of stopping every place, get a car, everybody loves you. Um, and, you know, no, Carmelo didn't get that. Not everyone gets that. Um, the circumstances were such that, you know, it was much, much rougher. But I don't know that going on first take and saying, yeah, here I am, still want to play is going to make it is going to make it any better. Yeah, which is interesting because I think you look at the the players who have gotten those kind of year-long celebrations are players who stayed with the same franchise either their entire career or the majority yeah. of their career. Dirk and Dwayne. Dwayne Wade had like a half a season with Cleveland before he went back to Miami. Dirk was with Dallas. Kobe was with LA. I think they allowed those players. They took the hit for that last year. Carmelo, on the other hand, he started in Denver, then went to New York, and then kind of bounced around for a little bit. Atlanta, Oklahoma City, Houston. So I think, you know, he doesn't have that luxury. He's he's kind of a free agent with no team loyalty who's going to take him in and say, we'll, we'll cut you a check for your final year to kind of ride off in the sunset, which stinks for him, but kind of, may, you know, is part of the business. Like, sooner or later, LeBron's going to see the writing on the wall, and he's going to decide it's time to hang him up and not let that situation happen to them. Luckily for some people, they see the writing on the wall and they can, they can cast their own fate. And Carmelo, he's, he's not ready. To you do know that, what just came uh, to me by? I have the perfect solution. Hmm. I just read an article about, about the big Tell three me. league, the three on three league and how there's, you know, there's, there's some older players in there and some of them still have some game and they're just like dominating. That's what Carmelo should do. He should just go, he should just go score 50 a game in the three on three league and just, and ride out that way. That's that's my that's my solution. I'm all for Carmelo going to the big three and taking over. The only problem with your with your uh, solution is the big three. Yeah, is but over. besides that, besides <laughs> that, <laughs> maybe next year. <laughs> maybe next year he can do it. Um, yes. So, and by the way, Joe Johnson that owned the big three this year, which exactly. is I think we were alluding to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, ISO yeah. Joe, li- uh, the big three is the perfect thing for a guy whose nickname is ISO I mean, Joe. That's Carmelo. Um, I mean, man, but speaking- perfect game for it. Just saying. And this is completely off topic, but uh, I happened to – I was eating dinner with my family yesterday, and the Hall of Fame game was on, just talking about older athletes. And did you know Matt Schaub was still in the league? I could not believe that. I thought it was some I, – I, I also looked up and saw Matt Schaub, and I was like, what? Is this his son? Uh, yeah, I, I was shocked. <laughs> that is astounding to Mike me. Vick. Matt Schaub was the player who – yes, he was the player who took over yeah. for Mike Vick when he went to jail, and he is still in the league, yeah. which is crazy to me. But that's that's for another story. Uh, let's get to the sports goodness, and I think we're both in agreement. I'm going to let you take it away because you wrote about it. Uh, give a, uh, on the Good Men Project. Got to plug the Good Men Project. Give us uh, the sports goodness. Oh, wait, what did I write about? This week. Which one do you want? <laughs> let's oh, go yeah, with, let's go with LeBron. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. So, interestingly, LeBron James in the news going viral. Um, his son, Bronny, um, is, uh, is a 15-year-old playing AAU ball. Um, and uh, he uh, 
you know, LeBron's become more visible at some of these games. I mean, he's visible anywhere he goes because he's LeBron. Um, and I just think it's a great story because, you know, as a father that, that goes to Little League games and roots for their son or, 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 you know, softball games rooting for their daughter like I was last week or, you know, basketball games, there's this, like, fine line between, like, how loud and how excited you get. You're always really excited because it's your kid, but you're trying to also be restrained because it's just, you know, it's youth sports, just be chill. And, you know, what happened with LeBron is, well, first of all, he did something that there wasn't much of an issue for me in my experience as a dad in youth, youth sports. He put on a little bit of a dunk show before the game, which I thought was pretty cool. A lot of people were saying he's taken the shine off the kids. But, I mean, I don't know. LeBron James shows up. Like, the guy dunks, I think it's pretty cool. Um, but the thing that drew a lot of attention um, was, you know, so Bronny came down, had a great game, LeBron James Jr., um, and he dunked to win the game at the end, and LeBron was right there. There's a video camera right on him, and he was stomping around, like, so excited. Um, and, and, you know, we stepped on the court and sort of flexing, um, and he was just kind of like every dad, like, getting a little bit too excited. Um but, you know, some of the pundits, um, you know, sort of came down on him and said, you know, inappropriate, not cool. Um, but then it was interesting that a lot of a lot of players who were also dads, uh, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, some others uh, said like, hey, like we've got this issue where like dads aren't involved enough and we're going to we're going to villainize this kind of behavior. We need more of this kind of behavior. So I just thought it was kind of a fun and interesting story, the way it went viral and, and the way the media took it up, down, and every which way. What was your take on it? So number one, There's gonna be I'm going to talk about the number dunking one. first. Yes, we're going down the list. Number one, anybody who has a problem with LeBron getting in the layup line and throwing down some dunks in an AAU game is a straight hater. You'd pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to sit courtside and see LeBron James dunk, whether it's in an NBA game, an exhibition game, or an all-star game. Anybody would do that. Anybody who likes basketball would want to go see LeBron James dunk. So you're telling me that because it's an AAU game, that's not allowed? No, every single kid there was absolutely loving seeing LeBron James dunk in the dunk line. The idea that LeBron James can't dunk, that's ridiculous. There's not one person on there who has an issue with him dunking. That's my first thing. And anyone who says that's an issue is lying and is doing it for clicks or views, and they should be ashamed of themselves. Because I, if my kid was playing against LeBron's team, I would have popcorn, (laughs) I would have my phone out, I would maybe even sneak in some beer to pretend like I was actually at an NBA game and I would sit courtside and just wa- take it all in. I mean, I'd take it all in to watch Bronny play at this point because, I mean, more than likely you're going to get some show right there with the team that he, the, his high school team and all the talent they've got coming back. Yeah. We could talk about that later. But, yeah, that's my number one is enjoy the show. I mean, LeBron is entertainment and you can't – you. You know how many people would pay good money to go see LeBron play in a high school gym? Just stop it, Jason Whitlock. Stop it. Yes. Oh, you said his name. You said his name, Michael. An angel lost its wings. (laughs) Um, My second thing is, here's my thing about LeBron celebrating after Bronny. If the game was over, Mm. do what you want to do. You can't control... Your excitement for your boy, I get it. Like, 
I can, I, we're both yeah. parents. We understand the joy of accomplishment, watching, watching the joy in our kids, through the uh, success through our mm -hmm. kids' eyes is the best Absolutely. way to do it. We've all been there. We, we understand that we, we get the joy and the hardest part is how to control your joy. And I would say for me, like I would let my son enjoy that moment with his friends and his teammates and then celebrate with him afterwards. But who's to who's to go who's to say how uh, a dad and son should celebrate uh, a success of the child, right? There's nobody here who can say they should succeed. Uh, they should celebrate one way or the other. Everyone has their own ways. Some wouldn't even do that. I remember my dad after winning a, a championship game, getting MVP, and my dad picking out one particular play where I had a turnover and saying and talking about that moment rather than celebrating. <laughs> like everyone has their own ways of celebrating or or not celebrating <laughs> championships. Yes. So let the man celebrate the way he wants to celebrate. It's not our place. Like let the man he's like like Jason Tatum said, like we should be celebrating this parent being so happy for his kid and not being one of those hockey dads yeah, or little league dads there. who are starting fights there. in front of their kids. Yeah, but that, I think that's I, – I don't think so. I think we should expect well, more from that. parents than just being there. Like that's – I think that's – I think I think that's beyond the pale. Like it, we but should expect our parents to be there. Aren't. But we should be – this is true. That that goes for everybody, whether it's work or or their their deadbeats or whatnot. That's the truth. But but I think we shouldn't be celebrating the fact that he's there. We should be celebrating the fact that he's as happy for his kid as he would be celebrating a championship of his own. And that I think is Works where we should me, be. Buddy. Uh, all right. Well, Mike, uh, time went by quick this time. Sports are about to be in full swing. Football camps in action. We're gonna. I think we should spend the whole half hour talking about the hard knocks series that's getting set to go on because I can't wait, wait to watch Gruden. I don't know if you noticed, but he's really high on Nathan Peterman, <laughs> um, which yeah, uh, he yeah. might just be high. Um, California, weed is of, uh, legal in California, so that might be something. He's also in Napa, and it could be a wine thing. I don't know. We'll get into all that and more I made a really on next week's spreadsheet the other day. I was so proud of myself. Yes. We'll we'll get into that maybe in two weeks as we head into draft season. We'll we'll do a full fantasy football breakdown podcast, um, which I would love to do. We'll do rankings. We'll do sleepers, busts. We'll put it all out there. That'll be Sports Docs 117. Uh, but we're gonna end it now. For Michael Kazin, this was a fun one. I'm Vice Salas. We'll see you next week on the Sports Detox. All the time, tip. All the time, tip. All the time, tip. But then grab the microphone and let your words rip. Now here's a funky introduction of how nice I am. Tell your mother, tell your father, send a telegram. I'm like an energizer because you see I last long. My crew is never ever whack because we stand strong. Now if you say my style is whack, that's where you're dead wrong. I slay that body and El Segundo then push it along. You be a